Coming up on today's episode of the Real Lives podcast with Ayush Badwaj. It's fine if you don't understand it. People find it it's something so natural it should be understood, but like it is not that easy. Strength shouldn't be limited to a partial range; it should be through the range. You don't always have to push out to your max. It's not always about emptying the tanks. There are certain occasions when you need to do it, but most of the times it's just staying low enough that you're near it, but just within reach, and you keep working under that, and that builds a tissue capacity. within you so you can deal with the stress at the end of the day you need to be able to fund yourself as well you need to be financially stable as always just before we get into today's episode please remember to like subscribe share the podcast with anyone who may be interested really appreciate all your support i'm not going to bug you any longer but please enjoy this episode with ayush badwaj okay ayush welcome to the real life podcast just to start off with tell us who you are what you do and why you do it But the name first, my whole name is Ayush Bhardwaj. The surname will be like the most of the people can't pronounce it, which is fine. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a f- physical performance coach. I work one to one with athletes and with general pop a bit, and then help a bit on the late stage rehab side as well and bridging into performance. And the other part of my role is I work with the Liverpool Women's Academy team, which is the under 14s team for currently, and. Uh, The reason why I do it is, which is most of the SNC people in the in the industry, that is, all of us wanted to be an athlete. <laughs> we couldn't, so we chose a role where how we can supplement for uh, other people's development and provide them the facil- facilities or uh, targets to reach to. Interesting, because obviously we went to university together. We did our masters together. Um, obviously, we've now taken pretty different career paths. uh which you know it, it's great to see you obviously excelling in what you're doing now getting the role at Liverpool Women Academy and then also doing your one-to-one coaching but so from a coaching aspect what are your current coaching philosophies that you sort of abide by with all clients um with you know Liverpool Academy everything that you do okay so it's almost along the lines of like if in a way like coaching philosophy sort of keep evolving always but now if i am to think from physical point of view it's mainly like the whole uh, of a coaching is based about like not just me i believe the whole essence is speed power strength and then you generalize into if you have general pop you do those exercises which goes across that range you just modify them what works for them because most of them most likely have a setting job okay that means not so good with the hips poor a shoulder mobility and can't like not flexible enough and lack of strength and like those so like you work across the whole spectrum it's the most better outcome and if you're working with athletes same thing just different drills more advanced and trying to get the maximum performance out of it which is exposing them to being injured as well but again that's the trade off that you have to do like a little bit cost like you might get injured but you will get better as well so philosophy wise that's the main thing and uh from other side of philosophy which is which i only adapted recently like about 7 uh, 8 months back which was being positive no matter what because i had this couple of clients so like uh, uh one was uh, he had two total hip replacements and then so one hip replacement Uh, I was working with him, and then he used to be like, "Oh, it's like 
how it's gonna go and like always in the negative mindset of things like what's the recovery road looks like and then you have to make them understand that it is not always gonna be up and the best an- analogy that I always give uh, everyone like athletes or general pop or rehab clients in terms of progressing or developing is like think of it like a stock market it's up and down but in the long run it's most likely it's gonna go upwards and that's how your fitness journey is also going to look like all your performance journey is going to look like it's not always nice and shiny hmm. i want to move back there to that part you mentioned on mobility you are probably one of the most mobile humans i've ever come across like the way you used to warm up for drills when we had our practical sessions and stuff it was like instantly you could get into a deep squat sit there upright which for people who don't usually do that it's near impossible to do like a lot of people will fall over fall backwards what have you so what was it that drew you to that you know that philosophy of building mobility you know if someone has sort of poor shoulder range wanting to progress that before you know moving on to the weights because there's some coaches who obviously are out there that don't so they, they obviously believe that mobility has a role but not as important as what you seem to think it does so it's uh, it's quite a bit of long answer. I'll try to condense it in a very short way as possible. Now go 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 the long way, mate. This is For a long, long, long form podca- podcast, so <laughs> go as long as you want. <laughs> okay, so when I okay, so it goes all the way back to when I was playing football in India, and at that point uh, I had broken my ankle. It got basically the right foot got stuck in the mud, and it twisted in and I broke my ankle and sprained it and then after that is a long recovery of like rehab and you're resting out and all that stuff and then finally when it was out of the cast and trying to move it at that point I didn't know like the anatomy physiology what's supposed to I'm just a kid like no idea I'm just like later on when I'm reading all the stuff I'm like okay I do not have a lot of uh, range of motion especially dorsiflexion range so like my knees won't go further over the toes and in India, if you like, we usually have Indian toilets quite a lot. So, like, so you sit all the way to the floor, and I used to fall back. I couldn't sit in it because my left ankle would go all the way, like, the right left knee will go all the way forward, but the right knee won't. So, I'll just fall back. I have to hold up to something, and I'll just fall back. So, that was a pretty good example of, like, oh, there's no mobility at the ankle there because it's just all scar tissue and it's stiff and it's, uh, yeah, it's not good. So, how did I correct it? Well, I did not know there's a physiotherapist as well. Didn't was not aware about those terms, any of that. And family wise also, they also didn't know about it. So it's like what I did is keep squatting until you don't fall back. Just keep Balls doing it. Yeah. Just keep doing it. If it hurts, okay. And uh, there's a pain threshold stuff. Like if you can't uh, hold it for too long or it's too painful, go back. And is that scientific? Yes. Is it something that uh, uh, someone told me to no, but my body was telling it me to which is usually like if we have pain we dial back a bit We don't keep pushing it. We know what is our limit and each individual have their own pain threshold limits so there's no objective criteria on it like this is it and everyone will f- uh, feel the same pain of different densities at their own different ways, so That was the start of it like just doing uh, Doing the squat as many times as you can and then uh, eventually it got better. And uh, then when I was doing in my bachelor's degree in India, 
So over there, the, one of my professors, he told me that I had sort of like from the ankles, I had sort of a lot of scar tissue around my uh, toes and around the ankles area. So once that was sort of released or broken down into, I literally cried on the table when that happened. <laughs> that was so painful. And that eased up quite a lot of mobility as well. And then again, like I'm doing like what everyone else does, which is you're stretching out the calf and then you're trying to stretch the whole sort of fascia and so fascia in terms of the simple way how I tell everyone like if you're general pop you don't know what is a fascia fascia is basically um, suppose you have a vegetable the outer layer of the whole vegetable that's the fascia and inside is all muscle tendons whatever the structures are there so that fascia now so I'm stretching my quads hammies calves everything nothing uh, everything is touched so I'm not missing out on anything keep doing those over and over again and like for years and it gets better and then you start to do your lifts then i'm loading like doing back squats goblet squats whatever again the intention is to move through range of motion as much as possible so no parallel squats no quarter nothing like get the whole movement first and that's how i sort of got that's how it got developed but moving on to other people I have seen people who have like long femurs and they can't do squat really well. They can't go all the way to the floor and if they do go, it looks sort of unnatural or funny or yeah, it just looks a bit weird. But can they do it? Yes. Some, some of them can't. But again, like squatting low isn't just about always about how mobile you are. It's also like how your hip joint is, the structure of the hip joint and how the whole body moves. and so i wouldn't say it's like the end of the world but if uh from the early ages which i like i tell it to everyone if from early ages try to squat as low as you can why i ask them why wouldn't you it's like give me a reason why wouldn't you instead of going for why should you like just do it because if let's say if you're playing sport you're not always going to be in a power position or a quarter squat position or a parallel position it can be any position so you would rather have that strength in the whole range rather than just having in certain ranges and uh, there's one thing like so like have you heard about the guy uh david uh david gray he's from ireland no i don't think so no so he so like i sort of i i watched some of his stuff so from there or i actually might have <laughs> missed his name it might be some other i think it's david gray rehab something instagram page no i might have no? come across it but it doesn't ring a bell okay so so now this is a bit off topic but it relates so squatting low isn't just for like mobility but the amount of muscles that you're working by the squatting low is like i find it it has insane value and especially in terms of you might have seen when people squat all the way to the floor the knees will go just all the way in, all the way out. Like the knee valgus and knee caving in, all that stuff. It happens quite a lot. So let's say if you want to train your groin, if you do a deep squat, I find there's a significantly more engagement of your uh, adductors, which are the groin muscles inside of your inside of the thigh, compared to just doing a parallel squat. Like I find myself when I do it, my groin's a bit sore. Or other people when I make them do it, they're like, oh, I, that was sore, because it's a dynamic groin exercise compared to you doing, let's say, Copenhagen holds or 
your uh, side lunges. It's a lot more dynamic and you can load extremely heavy. Like compared to a back squat, how heavy can you go on a side lunge? Like it's not, transfer isn't so much. So uh, yeah, coming back to the topic had gone a bit off there. So, so there is a lot of value, not just building range. So you basically load it up. Uh, you do back squats. Now can you go all the way down? Yes, good. Now can you do without the weights? Because some people can, they can go all the way down with weights, but they can't go when there is no weight. So it could be multiple things like the whole fascia is a bit tight or I call it the fascia is a bit toned, like there's more tone in the whole body. So it's just not enough, uh, like there's a little bit less tense in the whole body that allows them to, that does not allow them to go all the way down. Like for me, I classify myself as uh, the guy which has less muscle tone. I'm the guy who does not look like this. So that, like, you'll always see people who they look like, oh, he doesn't lift gym until you go in the gym and like, oh no, he's lifting heavy. So <laughs> it's just like, I'm that guy. <laughs> so, and some people, they barely do anything and they're like super lean, they're strong and like they're fit and lean and strong. So those guys will usually be a bit more tense throughout. So... I don't know, it's like, it, it's a very vague answer I'm giving you, but like, it's not really straightforward because there's multiple things that you can hit. So do the things, which is sit in deep squat as much as you can, hold a pole, go all the way down, and then slowly bring that range of motion and then try to incorporate weights. But in terms of how important it is for everyone, I'd say strength shouldn't be limited to a partial range. It should be through the range. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement because it's something that I started to incorporate for myself and I reap the benefits of that massively. Because, so, for example, when we do a lunge, there's, you know, there's an element of hip extension, but not a lot, not a whole lot. But then when you're going for, the, you know, the knees over toes sort of kind of lunge where maybe you're lowering the weights and some people have to have, to have an ego check with that to do it, but when you're lowering the weight and you're allowing for that full hip extension, getting into the very end range and training that ability to get there, that transfers over massively for so many athletes. Like you look at, say, for example, a footballer is going in for a tackle. Your trailing leg may get stuck in the mud and you may end up going into the splits to some degree. Not, I'm not saying you're going to get into a full split and sit there, but you might be stretched to a point where you know, you've basically reached the splits, but you've never been in them. So you should be training the ability to get as close to that as possible to try and avoid any form of injury. Because if you're never going to that kind of range, the detriments that can have on your performance and then the injury that it can then cause it could be massive. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Like, And I will, like, I will almost like challenge everyone who, like, if, if you're listening to this podcast and if you, if you do parallel squats really really heavy try going and if you've never done a full squat try going all the way down it's a scary position to be in when you're all the way down and then you now you know and go all the way back up it's not easy it's it's completely different strength and and if you were to pause at the bottom like let's say just pause for two three seconds you'll be just like can't move it like because usually some people they go all the way down and sort of bounce back which is just you're using your tendons like a rubber band so you get that bit of extra support and help to come all the way up but Cut that off, wait two seconds, three seconds, and then try to come back up. It's completely different from doing a parallel squat. Mm, yeah, I 100% agree. Um, 
sort of moving on from that, when you said there that obviously you broke your ankle and you started training the deep squat because you obviously weren't able to utilize the function of that, did that then sort of draw your attention to the training side of things from, you know, being a footballer, you probably just played football, just trained, you know, uh, went to training, ran, did lent to the pitch, what have you. Did that then sort of trigger that curiosity to go and look at strength training as a means for bettering performance? Okay, so that's actually a funny story. Like I, I'm, I only wanted to work on mobility because that's what I perceived as is my limitation. And you can only work on things that you know you're lacking of. You cannot work on things that you know that you don't lack of. So what I mean by that is I knew mobility is not there because I can compare, I can see the difference. But I wasn't even aware, like, there's strength training, there's speed training. I had no idea, zero idea at all. All I wanted to is, because resting on the bed for so long, I gained fat. Like, I grew a big belly. So I was like, I don't know, can't play football like that. Won't last a minute. So... My intention was to get lean and that's why I went to the gym. And then uh, in India, again, the trainers in the gym and stuff, like they don't like not to disrespect them. But at that point, they did know what they were doing, but not in terms of how we currently deal with the whole training aspects of general pop or athletes, which is your speed, power and strength continuum. It was more about, okay, just get in shape and sort of be fit so you can actually do stuff and not struggle so much which is fine for some people that's what they need and that point I I think that's what I understood and I needed so that's what I was doing but it did improve me but not in the terms of uh, footballing performance or any athletic performance. I do think though that that's still a massive problem where you go into a lot of gyms and the, and the, the, the thing that's in your face straight away is lose fat gain muscle. That is, I think, one of the biggest problems within the entire industry because it's not sustainable for most in the way in which they train because they're not training in a way in which they love to train. They've not found that passion for it. Um, the diets that a lot of these PTs are putting them on, A, they shouldn't be putting them on a diet because a PT should not legally be doing that. And B, um, you know, the, 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 what the, the, some of the advice can be great but some of it isn't sustainable for certain people. So I like for like I said before we started, I think this, you know, bodybuilding training, which is typically what is used for the loose fat get in shape, is very outdated. It has its purpose if you want to compete in a bodybuilding show or you literally just want to look like a stat like one of these, you know, Greek statues, go for it. That's what you can do. But if you want to make your training interesting and actually sustainable, there is a lot more to just lifting weights slowly and lifting them heavy. Like we, there's a whole curve of, you know, the speed, power, strength that we can get into and look at utilizing to not only change the way you look, lose body fat, change how you perform, change how you feel, change how you move, all of it. And people still, which is baffling because social media is putting it everywhere, don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's a. It's something like when I try to pr promote myself and like, you, as you said, you have seen it as well. It's like what people perceive perceive as va the value in it, or like what makes sense to them. I recently had a conversation where I work one to one with the clients at the gym. So like, um, I was talking about like, uh, 
I used to think that like as an SNC guy, as a performance guy, or even as if even if you're a coach, we think that people need to somehow understand us what is fitness looks like or performance looks like as in terms of scientifically. And maybe I'm like, let's say dial back a bit and let's assume even if we explain it to them, they don't have any clue what it is, which is fine. But people want to uh, make it look like that they really understand it, what we are talking about. But it's fine if you don't, because let's say if you were um, you're working in the IT sector, you're working on codes and stuff, you were if you were to explain it to me, I would say yes, yes. Um, like some of it might make sense, but that doesn't mean I understand the whole thing. So mm. it's fine if you don't understand it. There's no, it's almost like pe- people find it, it's something so natural, it should be understood. But I'm like, it is not that easy or it's simple. It is simple, but it's not that simple. Yeah, yeah, I so, agree. The, what I think there is, there is value in knowing why you do something. Like I think in the, so in the context of a professional athlete, I don't think there's, I think there is value, but I don't think there's as much value as general population knowing why they do something. As for professional athlete, if you're, if you just need to get in the gym, get the work done that's handed to you and get out, if you're not interested, it really doesn't matter why you do it. It's just, it, you know, it is going to make your performance better. That's all there is to it. But for the general population, you know, there's so many other aspects to this you know the bettering yourself like yes say you want to run a faster mile people you know some a lot of people think oh i'll just run faster every time but eventually that'll catch up you'll either a get injured or b plateau and never get that faster mile you know we need they need to understand that actually sometimes you need to run slower sometimes you need to run shorter distances you also need to add in like the speed work that maximal 90 to 100 percent sprint work you need to add in the strength work plyometrics all these other aspects to ensure you're going to get that even if it's one percent better the next time yeah yeah like there there was this one story like from this uh, there was uh, a kid that i was training at the gym and then one of his goals was like although it's like it's not important but in long term yes it is important that you get stronger so one of his goals was that by his birthday he wanted to do 100 kg bench press he's a rugby player so he's like oh because it makes him look big strong he feels nice and it's birthday so i'm like okay so he was at about 87 or 90 something when he met me he was lifting about that and 90 was again like a push and he also needed help so like i created a plan for him like obviously other stuff is there there's a plyometric speed and other stuff but also because his mind is focused on getting by his birthday that 100 kg bench press so made a plan for him where he was lifting in the in the prescribed manner and the percentages but uh he wasn't lifting like uh close to 100 until it was his birthday or a, a, a two or three days before that so then he used to ask me like okay why i'm not trying to go close to 100 i'm like you'll just max you'll just get tired there will be nothing left in you by the time if you keep doing the heavy heavy lifts all the time you just need to keep building that capacity in the muscle keep building that uh, tissue and you will get that strong and he just i hope yeah so he sort of trusted me in that way and then by his birthday he managed to do two reps on 100 kg which was like without any support like there's no help the third rep he needed a bit but two reps at 100 and so again it shows you just that you don't always have to push out to your max. It's not always about 
emptying the tanks. There are certain occasions when you need to do it, but most of the times it's just staying low enough that you're near it, but just within reach and you keep working under that and that builds that um, it's almost like a tissue capacity within you so you can deal with the stress and most of the people don't know this that strength isn't always about how big your muscles are it's also your nervous system like that's the main thing the neural factors involved in it so those are going to drive and the, the common example we always know someone in our gang who's like really skinny but he's strong hmm. so how is he strong doesn't yeah. have muscle it's something that I learned because I start so I started going to the gym when I was fifteen, and that's the, I had that thing of like, how how do I train? Oh, lift weights slowly, lots of them, and you know lift more every week, and that was almost like it was great for the purpose at the time. But then I remember going back to play football after one of so like there was one particular off season where. I sort of I like absolutely smashed the gym and was lifting heavier and heavier and I got to the preseason of football and I couldn't run properly. I just lost that ability to because I just got so big that it would became like almost a task to run around a football pitch. It was honestly I was I was all type one fibers in that. Like there was no type <laughs> two. <laughs> and it's it's it was quite frustrating because I was always the fast kid. Like I played center back but was a sweeper because i was the fast one who could you know could clear the lines if you know the other defender who went for the header missed it so and to then come back and now i was like what's what's going on but i just i didn't understand the principles of like you know if you want to if you want to move fast you, you've got to train fast if you i know but also if you want to lift heavy you don't just lift heavy you move fast you do your plyometric work you know, you do your isometrics as well, all these different variables. But at the time, it just there wasn't as m as many resources out there as there are now. Like I feel like as a, a, someone in general population can now go online and build a program which is actually very very functional in comparison to what you could ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, and I think overall as an industry, like we still have the ones which like this people who are not doing what needs to be done. But again, we have a lot of coaches coming up who know what they're doing. And, but for them, it, it, the issue could be like, how can they reach out? Like it's, in today's world, it's so much about like how you market yourself and like, does that look more fancy than the other? So it's, it's like a bit cloudy in terms of for the general pop or even athletes around the world, whom do they actually go to get their requirements done or the service or whatever program or whatever solution they're looking after for it's just like this all that haze of marketing it's just, it's very i find it quite uh difficult to like is it gonna work i will doubt myself if i had to spend like let's say hundreds of pounds of money on some service like is it gonna work or not so those things is uh, yeah so from the aspect of your coaching business that you've obviously built after the masters was finished you started trying to build that and then obviously you then got the job at the gym so when you first started at the gym what did you do to start bringing in those those new clients the you know because as as the new trainer no one really wants to go to the new trainer because they don't know them they don't know who they are 
they don't know what they're about the philosophies so how did you then put yourself out there in a way that people started looking at you and going i want to train with this guy so initially uh so one of the things that i had done was like some of the things that was in my control which were how i present myself in the gym like when i walk like it there, there should almost be like a professional outlook and not just another trainer either who has done a pt course or just come out from uni like what can you do by yourself and how you you hold yourself at the gym so that would be like small things like just how you sit how you stand like are your shoulders back are you like look nice and tall and confident and like when you talk to people you when, when you greet them do you actually look them into the eye and how you even handshake or like all those small things how do you put yourself out there and the other things that i was doing was like when i was at the uni before i joined the gym i was with i was doing my internship with the liverpool under 21 women's academy as well so i had the like the the jacket and stuff so i used to wear that because i'm in liverpool i had worked there so most likely you will come across people who uh, are fan of liverpool so they will sort of come to you to talk so it's almost like a full okay like oh he's wearing that so like how why there'll be questions that creates a conversation and then from there on then we could be multiple things so and then there were classes at the gym so i'll just sort of shadow the other coaches and then the see people move like what they're doing and then in between the breaks i'll ask them oh you were do you have a pain or i saw you were wincing over there something bothering you at the knee hip or like whatever and then they tell you stuff then you ask them and then you just like initially it was just uh would you mind like i can have a look at you for that and we can maybe have a consultation see if, if i can help you in any way if they say yes good enough let's go move on and then once they're there in the consultation then it's like i'll go home and then sort of research a bit with their issue because they have already told me because even if i know if it's something there i'll still research it out just to be thorough and safe because again it's uh, we have all to we have to always remember that it's the health of other person that you're sort of trying to look after even performance might be involved but health is still the top most priority so we do that and then once they are happy with the consultation you give them oh this is the issue and this is how you can do it and like show them the roadmap and then just uh then it's up to them like if they want to take it if they see enough value in it they'll come at it and that's how how i got the initial clients they were more focused on the the rehab side of things the late stage rehab like the, the guy i mentioned before which had the hip replacement surgery and the, there was another lady she had a hamstring tendinopathy issue like i would say those two people are the first two clients were the most successful clients i had in terms of what they came with the problems and when they went away they were really really happy like the lady she had the tendinopathy issue she had seen a physio and for a year and nothing gave way and like she was just like in pain and after working with me for about 6 months i would say she was out of pain and she was doing rdls with like 14 kg each hand is like it was proximal uh, hamstring tendinopathy so it's like it's quite hip dominated and she's doing rdl just enough is a big deal and her age was 60 so that's really really massive yeah, yeah. props to her like that's huge yeah, yeah. and it's got to be something that's frustrating as well for people when you know because like for me so i've got i've got distal hamstring tendinopathy at the minute and it's so frustrating to deal with um but i have a bit of knowledge in terms of how to 
you know, start dealing with that, how to sort of take the time off and then reload again in, in a manner that will allow for me to come back and, you know, not be injured. Uh, but for general population, you know, where it's just a pain and you don't understand why it's there, you don't understand what it is, it can really put people off going to the gym and, you know, keeping themselves healthy. So obviously to be able to provide a service like that is massive for people where you can turn around and go, no, we can we can get you back to how you were and actually even stronger than you were when you were younger. Like it's huge yeah. for them. Yeah, for sure. It's like um, I've come across people when I've explained to them to everything, okay, this might, uh, this is the issue and this is how we could do, deal with it. And they might not see the value or they financially can't afford it, which is fine. But then it's like you will always have certain people who are like, they're not going to take your service, which is fine because you want to attract those people who see the value in it because in the long term, it's not just about helping people. It's also like when you when you build the relationships with the people that you're working with. So it needs to be more wholesome. So I'd say this is a bit of weird part of our industry. Like people pay us so we can help them or if they are pushing for performance, then they could take it as a torture, but like a happy torture. So we are torturing them. So they get faster, stronger or powerful, whatever the goal is, but they are paying money to us. It's how it works is a bit funny, but the value, it's going to be like completely different. I used to get really disheartened initially, like, oh, like I, like, I know they will benefit from it, but they're not taking the service. Like, but it will happen. It's, it's going to, it's bound to happen. Everyone will see that. No, um, no one has like a hundred percent client capture rate. It's going to be a bit less, sometimes a bit more. Sometimes that's just the part of the game. It's you track the right client, they see value. You are happy. They're happy and trying to help. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And before as well, you mentioned obviously whether you're a PT or a performance coach, but just define for us what the difference is for you in, in terms of a personal trainer versus a performance coach. Mm, so again, like just before I go on this, like I don't want to disrespect anyone. It's just my opinion and this is just how I perceive it. So uh, performance coach, uh, like when I, I have never called myself as a personal trainer. I've always called myself performance coach. And so the performance coach, like when people join me as a, uh, so I can provide them a service, I ask them, what are your goals? So now that goal, it could be if they're an athlete, that's the, now we go into complete athlete side, which is, oh, you're going to improve at football, you're going to get more faster, stronger, or whatever that those athletic goals of yours are. Or if you're a general pop, okay, what is your goal? Oh, I want to be pain-free. I want to be able to walk uh, on long trails, want to climb a mountain, or those things. So those things are your performance goals. So performance doesn't have to be elite performance it can be any outcome any outcome or goal that they see as really challenging to them that is their performance goal and now when you come to pt personal trainer is just a really really general term in that you are trying to help people and it doesn't sort of justify like in what category and what capacity and you can be a pt by just doing a normal course like there's so many courses out there, but performance coach, I should, I think you will only be called or you can call yourself a performance coach once you have done your 
at least your bachelor's and then your specialization and master's. It's like any other, like if you were going to be a doctor, you'll do your MBBS. So MBBS is equivalent to in our world as bachelor's in sports science. And then you do your specialization. It could be surgery or whatever it is. So that is your MD. In our world, it's MSc, like I did in strength and conditioning. So in that way, you sort of divide pathways. And there is a clear distinction in terms of PTs, they might go through a bit of basics, just anatomy, physiology, a little bit, but uh, not in detail a lot. Like I had done, like in India, when I'd done my bachelor's, I went through a whole year of anatomy and physiology. So in anatomy, I I went to the dissection hall. So I've seen people like cut in half, their nerves, their muscle fibers, how they run, like in all the dissection and planes. And I've explored the human body from the inside. So you have cadavers in front of you kept, and then you're sort of exploring so the detail that it goes, uh, it's it's a lot. So what I'm trying to understand when people come to me is like not just on the outside, what's going on the inside. That's the perspective and how you want to deal with things. So the detail is a lot more uh, once you when you do degrees versus a PT course. What frustrated me when I was in the UK was, so you can apply for gyms, any gyms, do any any per personal training job with any PT course which if for those who don't know is an unstandardized thing there's no sort of gold standard in terms of what a PT course is and I could literally make a course sell it and you can use that as your level three PT and go to a gym but when you have a bachelor's in sports science and a master's in strength and conditioning that's not enough for a lot of places when actually those people, I'm not saying all the time because it, it, that isn't the case, but a lot of the time are more educated than the personal trainers who are getting the jobs just because they have a level three PT. And I think it's something that gyms across, not just the UK, but across the world, if this is the case elsewhere, need to seriously start considering allowing people with a master's or a bachelor's to go and work in a gym because they probably have a greater knowledge base to go in and actually get started straight away compared to a PT who's just done a course online and decided to rock up on the Monday after completing it. Yeah, yeah, completely. I completely understand that. It's like I had faced a similar situation. So initially I was just like um, that you have to do a PT course and stuff if you want to walk in the gym and, and everything. And I was just like, that does not make sense. For like, it can be a, quite a bit of money as well when you're just sort of graduated out of uni and you're already so don't have enough money and you need to pay for this thing which is uh in, and the, stu- the things that you'll study is you have already studied in your bachelor and master's so it doesn't make any sense to you i'm like but you need to get this to do that i'm like no sorry uh, i'm not gonna do that i'm just gonna find my own way so that's how i did like i would say i've been a sort of a rebellious person throughout my life when i s- see certain things that doesn't make sense to me then i just don't do them yeah, so that's the same i find me. a way because there's always a way like if you stuck if you're stuck with the norms you'll be stuck there but that's the whole thing you want to push out the limits you know that this doesn't make sense and throughout our masters and bachelors we were educated not just in the scientific way of coaching people but also being rational with our thoughts and how we want to process things and rationalizing things and making sense of those. So why not use it in the daily life as well? Like this does not make sense. So don't like just do something, find ways, get around it, work on it. And 
it worked out so and how many online coaches have pt course maybe very few how many of those who have done it so you never know it's it's marketing if they seem fancy they have ribbed abs big chest big legs and they are most of the time they're working out semi-naked online they're gonna get clients like no thank you you can do that yeah that's it's such a hard thing like obviously you have an incredible knowledge base with what you do and the way you see you, you know the way you portray yourself online is in a manner that i would think is a lot more professional in terms of what you do see the majority of people doing and it's a it's commendable the way you do it and you know the the PTs online just because they take the top off they get the extra 30 clients it it makes no sense like because what people don't aren't aware of as well is the fact that these guys train probably twice a day possibly on steroids and you know have probably one of the worst lifestyles in terms of like all they do is gym and eat that's all they do because they need to keep up this persona that they have whereas you know the way you do it where you're actually trying to provide knowledge and you know you're trying to teach people different methodologies and why you should why you should be sprinting as an athlete why you should be doing plyometrics why you should be doing x y and z that is a lot more commendable and it should be reeling in the you know the clients but it just isn't and still to this day i don't understand why so like that's something that i'm also trying to figure out like what is it that they don't understand and i'm thinking like what i have thought of it so far it's not so much about being rational it's more about what seems more appealing what seems more glorified what seems more fancy and all those things like they're looking for a thing that is very different than what they conceive as and it's like oh that that looks really cool that will definitely help me like it's one of those things like by doing ab crunches somehow you lose fat your abdominal fat no it doesn't <laughs> so it's like <laughs> that one is so old and people are still trying to educate other people on it and people still believe it and just like it just make your abs muscles stronger like like any other muscle in your body you have ab muscles you're gonna work on them that's it nothing else you're doing than that so it's just it's just weird how people conceive these things it's uh that's why like what i've done is like you educate people if they listen good if they don't don't worry about them it's uh, you're like it's like sheep follows the other sheep they'll follow you'll find the odd ones out who um, value and understand and that's your client i'm interested as well in how you structure a program because you are like like we've said you don't just go for strength like a lot of people do so for people listening how should a program be balanced in terms of if you're looking for to build an all-round better you know physique performance ability to run all these different parameters to be very basic we can generalize those things into two so if you're talking about general pop one who just wants to be wants to feel a bit stronger fitter and just nice about themselves and the other one all of that plus they want to run quite a lot or do other activities which can be a bit hard like even for us like let's say they're hiking mountains almost like every month or so and they like to run long distances and stuff so for the first group it's based around as we mentioned or we spoke about earlier which is working on the strength speed and power continuum so you have 
like create a bunch of uh, supersets. So you have two exercises bunched up together and uh, then get your uh, the ratios of your reps and sets right which uh, let's say if you're working in strength three sets of six pretty straightforward nothing fancy gets the job done don't try to over it and then you can superset something like let's say you have a goblet squat like for an the guy who has never done gym goblet squat a leg exercise um, um do it with the press up and press ups again you don't have to go all the directly to the floor you can do from the start from the box or wall whatever works so you're pairing an upper body with the lower body so what it does it it saves you time like by the time you reach to the lower body you have already given rest to the other body part and you're not sort of sitting around a lot and then you can get the maximum out of the time so you work about that and then you start in, in uh, introducing some basic core stuff so like how i see is and it's been ever evolving which is um, doing your basics which is like the planks can you hold certain positions okay can you hold okay now can you uh, generate power through them so your slams rotations and all those things and once you have done that now you have your other body parts same way you create supersets which saves you time but they're also targeting the, the things like strength tendon stiffness your tissue capacity and one one of the things that people don't realize is like by doing this type of stuff it's uh, uh your uh, the oxygen that you consume not during the exercise but after you have done which is the scientifically term called as epoch how much you're consuming oxygen afterwards is significantly higher and that's what you need for more fat oxidation which is uh your fat will be burned more when there's higher presence of oxygen so you've done high intensity work you're lifted heavy your heart beats have went really really high throughout the workout now you're just by sitting you're burning more fat and somehow people don't conceive it they only see it when they are running a lot like hundreds of miles that's only when you burn fat uh that's not the only case now when we go to other other client you do the all the same stuff but now you add a bit of plyometrics in it like simple box jumps or land off the box so you're developing the eccentric part of it the stability the concentric portions to try to build it up slowly intensity wise and volume wise so you're not uh, making them uh, uh, more susceptible to get injured and that will be the main difference if i would classify as if you're training a general guy versus a who wants to do a bit more intense physical stuff because you need to incorporate those plyos otherwise they're going to be more susceptible towards tendon issues like tendinopathy or all bunch of that stuff uh, i want to emphasize there as well when you said about you know incorporating things like rotations it is so important to not just move in fixed range fixed planes of of movement you know when we're moving in a bench press, you know, lifting like this or shoulder press, lifting like that or squats or whatever, whatever exercise you're thinking of, it's so important to add a stimulus where it is outside of those, those normal ranges that you're used to. Because again, let's apply it to sport. When you're, when you're playing football, if you are, if you're lifting in linear movement patterns, so say if you go up and down, it is eventually there's something that's going to happen in a game which will probably cause injury or cause a problem say for example you go for a header 50 50 in a in a game of football 
someone, you know, you go for 50-50, you come off the worst of it, you've then got to land sort of off-center, all the weight could be going through your left leg, for example, that's a prime, um, you know, area where you could ACL get an ACL rupture. And, you know, people should be training where, you know, they're jumping multi-directional, they're, you know, doing a lot of change of direction work where they have to be reactive to it, where they don't know that the stimulus is coming, they don't know what's coming. Um, and like the rotations as well. There's so much rotation in sport and not enough people are rotating during exercise. Maybe a little bit during rows or something like that. There's some rotation going on there, maybe during a warm-up as well. But there needs to be so much more it, throughout an entire training program. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Com- yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's one of the main things, like, uh, as you said, like moving through all ranges of motion and, and different planes, not just being like fixed to your uh, front and sagittal. You want to make sure the transverse plane is being done as well, so you're rotating as much as you can. And that, again, follows not just with the athletes, even the people I have worked with, like either they're 50, 60, 40, or they're young athletes, everyone does rotation work unless they have complications. And yeah, or everyone does that rotation work. It's just the intensity of the exercise and the volume of it keeps changing. And for general pop, that one advice I would give to everyone is this, like in terms of how much you do certain things, like in terms of volume and intensity, uh, the best person to guide or to know that is it enough for you is like the person who's doing it itself. Like if you feel that's enough for a day, that's enough for the day. And in our world, uh, in terms of uh, in scientific world, we also call this auto regulation. So if you think that like you don't want to push yourself too much, that's it. Stick to that. And most likely they will be really really good at the the more they do it, the better they'll get at giving you subjective readings about it so when you're obviously programming for the general population um you know you're meeting their specific needs but you also do programming for under 14s so kids football so what are you doing there that differs because of for people who wouldn't know what it's like to work in professional sport there's so many more parameters to consider especially at that age where you're you know kids are having growth spurts you you know the body is constantly changing and all all these different things going on so what are you doing differently there that you wouldn't do with general population uh, okay so like let's say you're working with the football players and now you go highly highly specific what you want out of them which is that they should play better football that's the ultimate goal yeah they, sh- they should enjoy it and they should play better football Whereas, so the focus goes, you have to prevent, uh, or not prevent, reduce the chances of injury occurring in the kids and also the performance side from them. So now that could go, let's say for a footballer, you need really good quad strength. Your hamstring should be really strong, your glutes, your groin, your calves. So isolating those muscles in a way which they get some sort of strength stimulus every week so it's consistent stimulus each week and then also once they learn the basic movements then you're trying to make them lift weights and like progressively overload them period of time so that way you're taking off the two boxes in one go which is reducing injury chance and pushing performance and then when you're on pitch so like footballers have two sides one is in gym and one is on pitch on pitch you're working across 
your acceleration work, your change of direction work, your agility work, your speed work. So you have different, different days where you're like, okay, this day we're going to work on change of direction or acceleration. This day we're going to work on top speed or max velocities. So each day, the warm up changes a bit, which complements their main priority of that day. So those type of things will not be done with general pop because they don't need them. They're not going to mac run maximal velocity at any point of the week uh, unless they tell us that that's what they do. They go to the track and run or any change of direction. Like some of the people like especially in the UK I've seen like it wasn't so much in India, which is like even general people, they will go like every every other Saturday, they might go play five a side and with their friends or the other people so if they're doing that then yes i will on incorporate that the things that i spoke about which is groin calf and all those things which are really really essential and from uh, from injury uh, reduction point of view and uh, performance view and also you'll train the change of direction stuff uh, because if you don't introduce those things you just increase the chances of injury by a lot because your body is not familiar with the movement patterns and moving in multiple planes together and coordinating the whole body in the space and those things so that's how you like sort of program and from maturation related injuries it's you need to have the uh, prior data of all the athletes you're working with like when i joined in it was midway in the season so i don't know how these kids move i have no idea about their history so i need to know what injuries did they have in the past? What have they been doing? So I know what I'm dealing with because it's, it's really difficult because if it's preseason, I can just give them basic plan. I observe for a while, okay, what they're doing, how they move, like what can I do specific to each individual as well. But if not, uh, you have to just like go to your team, ask the history, get it, and then start programming. And yeah, that, that would be the main difference between those two. So when you're obviously screening um, a client, what are you, you going to look for with them? What sort of things are you going to get them to do and what are you going to analyze with them? So is it like a specific goal or just like in general? In general. So say someone comes to you and they just go, I want to get stronger, I want to get fitter, you know, the usual what you would get. Yeah. So what, what are you going to do with them? during that screening? So, yeah, it's going to be very basic. The first thing would be like, I'm not bothered about uh, how heavy you're lifting. Just show me how you move. Some people can lift really heavy, but they don't move really well. So it will be, okay, can you do a squat? Can you hinge properly through the hips? Then can you do a press up? And then can you do a pull up or variations of pull ups? Can you do um, uh, holds of the trunk? It could be like, front planks, side planks, and like those just basic movements, nothing fancy. And then yeah, those the move basic movement patterns, can you do those? And if they do any sort of running, then I'll ask them to show me a bit of like, how would they do a broad jump? Or how would they do a counter moment jump? And how, then I'll just see how they land, how their body's moving in the space throughout. And then you figure out, okay, what level are they at? And then you program from there on. How have you found the transition from moving from India to the UK? Because obviously with the cultural differences and stuff like that, and then going into work in the UK, how have you found all that? Uh, so like in India, it was like, it was more 
bodybuilding like structure it's like everyone wants to build body and just i don't know maybe that's not even their goal but that's all they know and have seen other people do it so that's what they want to do but once i was over here the focus was changed like you still meet people who are into bodybuilding but again you see more people playing sports around you and not just like uh, kids but also people who are in their mid 30s or 40s or 50s they still want to do their sporting activities in india it wasn't so much at least where i was at so if those people are doing that then obviously the training will have to be a bit different they can't just like do bodybuilding stuff and the way they'll just get injured and that's why the gym i'm working there there will be people some someone is doing acceleration work someone is doing heavy strength someone is doing mobility work so it's like different people different goals and those stuff and the other thing was cultural culturally speaking it's just it's a outside it, it's it's different but it's not uh, different in a bad way or a good way it's just like just different because you expect people to have different sort of values <laughs> and how they want to do things and stuff so i just feel yeah it's 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 uh, it's fine it's just mainly the food i would say <laughs> better or worse how it's worse it's all bread <laughs> have you found like cuz british people are very negative so how have you come across that a lot and how have you dealt with that uh, i wouldn't say negative like um, maybe i have faced that but not yeah i wouldn't say i faced that enough then it just i I could assume that because the weather isn't so great so it's like it's always cloudy and and so it's just like in a dull mood all all the time and now it's summer it's sunny people naturally are a bit more smiley and happy yeah. and just like it it makes a lot of difference as I felt that it's it's a massive difference it's huge like here so now in melbourne it's like we're we're in winter and it's like this morning i was cycling to work at 10 to 6 and it was 4 degrees and i was like what am i doing like i was like i could be back in the uk it's like 26 degrees it's beautiful and then i'm like nah cuz we have 40 degree uh christmas like it's so hot but we obviously here it's like it's extended you get a really extended summer so everyone's really really happy but then for the like these sort of 2 3 months where it's really cold in melbourne you just you notice the difference everyone just hates it because it's almost it's almost like british weather in a sense here but we just get like extreme summers and like mild winters like it's not as bad as what the uk is i i was there actually like when i was doing my bachelor's in india so i went for a semester abroad in melbourne at deakin university so oh, that no was yeah so that was i went in july something i was there till october so that was like the winter time and you missed or you you literally left as summer was about to begin <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Was, I, it's a it's cold in that time. Mm. What was the internship for? Or it wasn't the internship, it was just semester abroad. So, oh, okay. I I had gone there and just like different uh, subjects I have taken there and it was like I would say that was probably the first eye opener to me in terms of how much is out there. Like when I was doing my bachelor's in India, it's like we are like i was the first batch of that course in india so the the professor are still learning they are they are exploring things what we like to deliver and stuff and then when i was out there 
like Deakin University, one of the top at their position in terms of what they deliver. And now there's like the amount of work, not like in, like it was a lot, but how they were giving away the work to students and what you need to do. I was just like, do I have to do this on my own? I was just like, that's a bit different than what I'm used to doing. And it was really, really challenging as well in terms of my mind hasn't worked in that way ever before that. So in a way, it's sort of prepared me to be here in the UK and sort of played well. When I spoke to Kyle, we spoke about breaking into the industry of, you know, S&C coaches, performance coaches and stuff like that. And he was saying, there's, the stat is something stupid, like 8,000 people do a sports science degree every year. So when, you know, 10 years ago, what would have been like maybe a couple hundred, 300 people doing the sports science degree is now, you know, over 10, you know, 10x that. So for yourself, what have you done to make yourself stand out to get the role at Liverpool Academy um, and also, you know, bring on the clients and stuff in your personal business? Yeah, it's uh, like I have spoken to Kyle about this. Like, obviously, he had done so much work at Tranmere Rover, like without being paid and stuff, and still didn't get it. He still didn't manage to get the job secured, and not just that, the other places. It's like it's mad. Like, how much do you need to prove yourself that you are able to work at that capacity and do other things? And now, when you say that, like so many people are graduating every year in a certain area, and now like there's not enough jobs because there's so much people coming in i'd say the best thing you could do is uh, try to figure out what are you uh, passionate about like within the snc as well like there might be something that resonates with you more than the other like for me it's more speed and change of direction work and acceleration all those like things and it's it's just like I find it fascinating in how that works, not in the terms of from biomechanical point of view, but more about developing those physical qualities and breaking down. Does that guy need more technical work or more uh, physical work? Finding the gaps in between and like it's almost like you're the detective, figure out what's wrong and then work on the issue. So, and now in the industry, you need to have that sort of desire and hunger to work towards something and keep your options open like like so many people see as like working at the pro clubs or academies as their top goal which i'm not saying you shouldn't have those goals have those dreams but do some other things as well because at the end of the day you need to be able to fund yourself as well you need to be financially stable like at one point you'll realize like you've done so much but you don't have the security by yourself to do other things in your life and life is not only about just providing value to other people. It's also what you do with your life as well. So you need to experience life as well. So don't just put all the eggs in one basket. Like keep options open because you're still so young. Keep looking out for every opportunity possible. Try out everything and see what works because that's what I have been doing. Like this Instagram stuff, I wasn't posting regularly since, uh, until I was like sort of super, super serious about it because like the only way you're going to, get at it is keep doing it keep doing more and more be consistent there is no other way there's no fancy trick nothing is gonna happen just have to keep doing that and that's probably what you're doing as well just like marketing side of it and keep posting content like trimming it and it's like there's no other thing just keep posting that's the one thing i i came to learn about this is like i don't have the biggest viewer base and that doesn't bother me 
because I enjoy the conversations that I have with people. And as much as it is, like, it's work. Like, I, you know, we're like, we've had a conversation for an hour now. And then after this, I've got the previous episode that I've done to finish editing, do the clips for. Then I've got to add the subtitles. I've got to add videos to them to make them more interesting. I've then got to edit all of this. I've got to piece it up. So, like, when you're talking, you're on show. Maybe if we both say something, you know, both of us are on show, all this sort of stuff. And there's so many intricacies to it. But also, you just, if, if it's something you, you're like, you know, I, I love, like, for you, you love coaching. So you've just got, you got to make things that can progress you a habit to the point where it's almost like brushing your teeth. You just do it. Like, there's no, there's no thought to it. You just go and do it. Like, I know tonight, so the episode that's live at the minute is the Manny O'Mitchell one, the guy who's a bobsled athlete and previously silver medalist at London Olympics. Um, with that, I know, so he'll be waking up in about two hours. So I'm going to post in about two hours. So he sees it, he can post it, sort of thing. Because also that then reaches his audience. The people who are interested in him, he's got, I think, 78,000 78, followers on Instagram. That's a massive listener base that could, who could see that and go, oh, you know what, I, I'll give that a listen. Because, and, and that's it, like, you you just got to put the work into the, these things because otherwise it's never going to go the way you want it to. And like for yourself, building your clients, you could have just sat there and done nothing and it could have gone shit, but you've, you know, you've gone out there, published online, you've gotten yourself around the gym, gotten your clients and all that. So it's just, it's how much work you're willing to do. Yeah, for sure. It's like, one of the things that not many people know is like when I was in the uni, I was like, I was do I was interning at Liverpool Academy uh, with the under 21s. And then, but um, like the only form of payment was I was getting some money from my parents. And the other part, the uh, majority of my money was coming in from me working at Just Eats, delivering food basically. Yeah. So that was just like, like at one point of the day, you were at Liverpool Academy working with the one of the future stars possibly and at the other other end you are delivering food to people and they're tipping you two pounds for it so it's like completely opposite things and it served me well for that time like you had to do it and that's the only way you're gonna survive at that point it could be for some other people it could be like a waiter job or whatever it could be then there was this one point i'm just like it's too much it's just like it's too painful and that was i think in December when I was uh, out in the night and delivering food it's raining it's uh, it's it's cold it's raining I'm wet and I like I had my shoelaces were open and I couldn't tie them I, like I lost my fine motor skills it wasn't working so I just put the shoelaces back just on the side of the shoe and just like just carry on I could do other things but no no fine skills at all it's just all gone and it happened like two times and I was falling sick and everything I'm like what's the point it's like let's just take a risk and that somehow then you messaged me up that like oh you're leaving uk so i'm like there's a spot there so it's sort of aligned and that's one of the things like what you want if you have a goal and if you're looking out there the sort of the the universe will help you out the things will fall into place you just have to go out there do the effort take action even if it's risky take action you because if you don't take action then it's definitely not gonna happen if you do it might exactly yeah and that was it. Like when I was leaving, I kind of, because I was, I was leaving so quickly because I was, you know, when I found out I was moving here, I was like, I need to make as much money as possible. 
I can't be dealing with like people dropping out and losing money. And I was like, oh yeah, I need, it's like I need to go and earn as much as possible. So I didn't want to leave the gym in a place where, you know, they're now having to find someone else after they've put trust in me to do a job. So I was like, who do I know who's probably one of the most competent people to do it? I was like, instantly thought was you because like of how skilled you are at what you do. And then now like you've turned it into, you know, this business that you've got. And it's like, it's great to see. But for those who, you know, they're starting out in that industry, the same industry as you, and they're like, you know, it's obviously tough at the start to bring the clients in. What would you recommend for those kinds of people to be doing? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, it's just like control the things that are in your control. See, like, what locality are you working in? Like, if, like, just take football. That's one of the things that work with everyone. Start a conversation about football. Treat people how you position yourself in that place and uh, try to help out other coaches as much as you can. Try to just ask them. There's nothing wrong in asking, like, if you have any extra clients and if you can't work with them, if they can give it to you. Or when you're in classes, identify people, look out for people if someone is having a pain or try to read people out, like, like is that my potential client? Just having conversation with people and being patient like that's one of the things like i i say all those things i was doing this i had only like a client until for two months that so i had only just one client in two months and then it sort of i got two more then one more one month again there's nothing so it, it took its time but I, I was still doing the groundwork i was not leaving the things that uh like being patient and just like doing all the other small things i'm still doing them and working with my current clients and give your all with those clients like do the best service that you can do in your capacity look out like it's a life and death matter it's it's not just uh it's, it's not just the money side of it just like give your all don't leave any stones unturned keep digging at it and the other thing which is uh, uh so there's a book called as think and grow rich which uh, uh i had read and it's it was suggested by my uh, my girlfriend so that book is her dad's book and then it's one of the classics actually so it's like about how do you actually like track the richness to you and it might initially it was to me like this doesn't work it, that's how i was but i'm like it's not gonna hurt me if i read it but i'm not a good book reader i just get sleepy so uh like now i'm not i i like I, i'm a quite a bit better actually now so just write your goals down so one of the things that i did was like i need to make this amount of money by that time of the month or like next four months like set a date month year and what's your goal and then what will happen is as i said like things start to fall in place you're always manifesting it you're always looking out for that and those small things they matter and this is the same thing with athletes they're manifesting something so they want a, they want to win the league so bad and they're manifesting it they have a goals you're visualizing it constantly each day in and out and things will happen and like there is no way it's not going to happen until you keep giving your all and then once that happens it's like the ball gets rolling now you're in the game now it's slowly coming in you're then you can ask for reference like if you know anyone else help me out then they might give you out like it might not be everyone but you might get a couple of them and it's just that you just keep doing those small things over a period of time consistently and you get the maximum from it 
it's amazing. Uh, I'm going to ask you one final question because I feel like that's a really good way to sort of end it. Is I ask it everyone is how would you like to be remembered? <laughs> hmm. So it will be a combination of professional and a personal side. So it would be I am a performance coach, not a personal trainer <laughs> who works upon uh, catering to your demands to maximize your performance so you not only live your dream, but I am living the dream with you. Amazing. So, yeah. Absolutely love it, mate. Um, where can people find you if they want to work with you um, from a coaching aspect and stuff like that? How can they get to you? Yeah, so if you just want to see my cool reels or want to work with me, you can obviously follow my Instagram channel, which is The Sports Scientist, which, uh, yeah, the, the, the Sports Scientist is straightforward and there are a couple of options. You can just always DM me if you have any athletic goals or general goals, whatever your goals are. I'm always on the lookout and I have also started recently online coaching. It is in a really, really new phase. So I'm looking for more people on it as well. Huge thank you to Ayush for coming on to the podcast. Um, you know, a friend of mine from uni and it's a great discussion on all terms, athleticism, training and yeah, I just, he's got such a good knowledge base and he's such a good practitioner at what he does. Um, so if you want to be coached by Ayush or just see some of the things that he gets up to on a daily basis at work, then go follow him on Instagram or you can find all his links down in the description below. So make sure to follow him and also like and subscribe to the podcast and I'll see you next Monday for another video.